Hello, hello, Kristen here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the podcast name change. If you hear any old terminology, that's why. Thank you for listening. I'm talking today with the significantly awesome Christy Brown, a creativity coach and business strategist who runs Significantly Successful. Her impressive career includes launching Cities for Living Social, marketing for Disney, and running Ron Paul's social media campaign during his run for president. She's deeply passionate about serving others by helping them live a life they love. Please join me in welcoming Christy. Yay, Christy. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks, Kristen. I'm excited. Awesome. Now, can you give us a little background into who you are, what you love, and what makes you tick? Who I am. So uh, you, you kind of told a little bit professionally who I am. I am a Florida native, which is rare. Um, and I worked with a bunch of different companies uh, throughout Florida, which has allowed me to uh, to enjoy the beach, which uh, is something that is a big deal to me. Uh, on my email signature, I say that I'm a Netflix junkie and a wine connoisseur, which is awesome for having a business that you work from home because you can do both of those and nobody knows. So that's kind of a, a me in a nutshell. Awesome. What are you watching on Netflix right now? And we just started the Luke Cage um, series is the new Marvel comic. I haven't decided how I feel about it yet, but yeah, we're going to do that one. I have not seen that yet. I'm watching a lot of children's uh, programming right now with my son. So he really likes Minions. We've watched a lot of Minions, <laughs> um, but I haven't, I haven't watched an adult show in quite some time. So I'll have to, I've heard the, you know, I've heard a lot about the Luke Cage series, so I'll have to catch up on that very depressing but i think you actually recommended broad church they were waiting for the next broad church uh, season to come out because we were very we were very hooked on that one i love broad church i too cannot wait i i wish that i had bbc for when it gets released there because they get they'll get to see it before us our netflix friends yes well bbc will catch up one day so that we can stream it like every other station out there <laughs> true true that would be awesome now, I know that you have a super strong background in marketing. How did you first get started in that work? I actually kind of stumbled into it. Um, I started working at about 18 in sales and I was in radio sales and I was commission only, which meant that I had to really go out and work my butt off to keep customers happy, which also meant that I needed to produce results. And the team that actually wrote the radio commercials uh, didn't do the best job in producing the results. So I was going to school at the time. I had just about finished my bachelor's degree um, and I was starting on my master's, uh, both both with marketing focus. And uh, I started really trying to figure out the psychology of why people respond to an ad. And I realized that even though I was really good in sales, it wasn't something I was passionate about, that I was actually passionate about helping people figure out how a product or service actually benefited them, which is what marketing should be. I know there's a lot of hype around marketing, but kind of fell in love with the process there. And um, while I was at the radio station, I uh, was kind of mentored by somebody that was running for office at the time. And uh, he took me under his wing, him and his wife, and taught me the ins and outs of how to meet people in a political sphere. Uh, and he was a, a, a pretty influential person. And so as an 18-year-old, I just really got to learn a lot about how people think and how people respond to certain things. So it's kind of how I got started is kind of on accident, I guess. <laughs> well, and that certainly led to a really awesome career that I talked about in your bio. 
But then you went out on your own. How did you decide it was time to work for yourself and launch your own business? So, yeah, so you mentioned I worked for Living Social, which was a startup at the time. They were getting funding and uh, you know trying to attract investors and all that stuff. So there wasn't a whole lot of red tape. It was a lot of ideas and strategy and how we could meet a goal and just about any possible way that we could meet a goal. Um, and I went from Living Social, um, which was actually a relationship that I built when I was selling radio, uh, to Disney. And how that kind of happened was um, through a relationship uh, when I decided I was going to get Disney to run a Living Social deal. Um, they had no social media presence at the time. So part of my proposal to them was that I would help them launch their social media strategy if they would run a deal, which was a great offer. Uh, I realized quite how much money I probably gave up by <laughs> by agreeing to that. Um, and uh, so I um, worked with Disney for a few years on contract, and then they really came after me to go full time with them. So I went from a startup kind of an atmosphere into really, really corporate America, which is where I came from um, when I started with Living Social. And I just realized how many ideas don't ever come to fruition in the corporate setting. I know we joke about a lot of red tape and compliance and lawyers, but we've never seen anything like it is at Disney. Um, and uh, I had 74, 74 employees that reported directly to me. And I just realized that my strength was really marketing and ideas and relationship building. And I was spending more time making sure people were clocked in at 830 than I was actually doing what I wanted to do, what Disney hired me to do, which was be creative. So um, I did not do it the way that I suggest other people do it, um, which is basically I just had enough one day and I was like, I'm not renewing my contract. You guys can shove this and uh, and basically walked away. Uh, luckily, I have a partner that supported that and knew how frustrated I was. But um, it was really just deciding that this was just not I was not able to be my best self in any way and that I was so frustrated going up against the good old boys network that was at Disney that I, I just had to get out of there. And um, I knew that I could go. That's the cool thing about marketing and sales is you can pretty much get a job just about anywhere. Um, but uh, I just decided that I was going to take all the training and relationships that I've built through Disney and living social and see if I could make something of it on my own. I really wasn't sure. Um, but that's kind of how that, that story evolved was really just out of pure frustration and sick of knocking into red tape. <laughs> well, I certainly hear you about the old boys network. And, uh, and it certainly is also true that everyone in the world needs marketing and sales. And it's, I, I find that it's often the most neglected in a lot of the businesses that I've worked at. They often don't have anybody on staff. So either it's a bunch of people that aren't trained doing it, or it's a they hire someone to do it. Yeah, it's one of the things that Dan and I talk about often is that um, Dan's my business partner. Um, and is that people tend to think that anybody can do marketing until they try to do it. And then they realize that maybe not anybody can do, can do it. But I think a lot of, a lot, especially corporations, if they, even if they have a marketing department, they kind of focus on traditional, you know, we're going to place a newspaper ad or go buy a billboard. And um, that's really about as creative as they ever get. So it's definitely, definitely something that I think is becoming more mainstream for people to realize they need somebody kind of focused on it. Yeah, a lot of direct mail campaigns and yeah. well, um, heaven help us. Yes, and and <laughs> and field of dreams. I always say, you know, we we built it, so they should just come. Yes. Now, what steps did you take? So you you said, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to renew my contract. I'm going to go out here on my own. What steps did you take to get started? 
So the first thing that I did was I reached out to people that I had worked with before, whether that was at Living Social in radio, or um, I had had several freelance type contracts too. So I kind of just sent an email um, and, and very personalized. And I don't believe in sending bulk emails or people copy and paste. Um, but where I told them kind of what I was doing, what my plan was, and really asked for feedback. I really, my goal was to get basically them to tell me if they thought I could do this on my own, really. Um, and what ended up happening was I started getting clients, um, which wasn't really what I expected. Um, and so it's one of the one of the things, one of the fundamental principles that I teach my clients now is about relationships and how important they are um, and why, you know, you don't want to send a form letter to people that you know and and that's that's one of the big reasons why is because my whole career was has been based on staying in touch with people and genuinely being interested in them uh, and then reaching out and then remembering that they liked you, um, which it sounds so common sense, but it's something I think that we forget a lot. So that was the first thing that I did. The next thing that I did was I really sat down and figured out what I wanted to offer, which has been an evolving thing um, when marketing consists of so many things. Um, and I did that backwards. Um, I really should have figured out who I wanted to work with first and then figured out what I wanted to offer them because it's very different if you want to work with um, a certain group of people, they may not need what you're wanting to offer. So then you got to start over again. Um, so I should have done that first, but I didn't. Um, so I learned that was a learning process. Um, and, um, and then I really just started um, answering, really answering conversations in Facebook groups and LinkedIn groups and kind of reaching out. And um, for the first about year, I made it a point of not having anybody on my friends list or um, my connections on LinkedIn that I had not personally reached out to. Um, I have two Facebook profiles. I have 5,000 people on each and I have about 3,500 followers on each. So I tell clients this about reaching out individually and they're like, oh, I don't have time for that. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, um, and it makes a huge difference. I think the, that was probably the biggest difference in my uh, in our business as it's kind of evolved was that those personal connections. And, and I still the majority of our business to this day is still referrals. People who know what I'm good at. And when they see a post, they they'll be they'll tag me or reach out to me and tell me to reach out to somebody else. So I re it really I don't have any like sexy plan to say, but it really was kind of reaching out and letting people know what I was doing and who I was and, and how I could actually give some value back to them. I answered a lot of questions and gave away a lot of value for free. And I still do. Um, I still think that's the, a corner piece of having a successful business that is involved in educating people. Um, but those are kind of the first, I guess, three or four steps that, that we took in getting started. Awesome. Now, if, what what would be signs of someone listening to this that maybe they should go out and be looking to build their own business? So I think this is an interesting question. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that people um, do build their own business for is kind of what I said, which is they're looking for freedom. They're looking for something bigger. Um, I think a lot of people that are under 40 are really looking to get away from that trading dollars for hours scenario that most of America is in um, and, and being able to implement your own ideas and see them come true. So I would say if you're somebody that's ambitious and that is willing to work hard, um, I think that the biggest thing that I still think people believe is that um, you can build a business overnight and it just is successful. <laughs> um, um, and especially in the online revolution and um, 
people tend to think exactly what you said, that if you'll build it, they'll come. And that is not true. Um, and it has to be something I tell people all the time, you're not Apple. So you actually need to provide something people need. You don't create a product and then convince people they need it. And that is a, that is a once in a lifetime thing that we saw happen with them. Um, so it's really kind of knowing what it is that you offer. Um, I think, especially as women, we tend to not see the value that we bring to the table. Um, if you've had any kind of a success in your career, it's actually pretty easy to transition that into a, a business if you don't get in your own way, um, which I think women tend to do often, um, second guessing ourselves. So I think that entrepreneurship is for most people, but it's understanding what's going to be required of you. Um, Dave Ramsey is one of my one of my radio guys I listen to all the time. And he says that you live like no one else so that eventually you can live like no one else. And that's what an entrepreneur is. I work six days a week. I usually work 12 to 14 hours a day still. And I'm almost two years into business. Um, I still manage employees and all that. So you have to know that it's going to take work, but that it's more fun to do it for yourself than it is to do it for anybody else. And just make your peace with that. Don't think that, you know, six months in, you're going to be a multimillionaire and everything's going to be easy. Really? No, I'm just kidding. Of course. <laughs> I think that's very good advice. I was trying to think of the best joke that I could hit with that. And that was my, that was my option. Now, what would you say is someone's, uh, most people's biggest challenge with starting their own businesses? Obviously, you work with a lot of people who are doing just that. Um, I think most people's biggest challenge uh, is identifying their ideal client um, and actually doing it. And by that, I mean, um, there's a lot of resistance around deciding who it is that you're going to work with. And uh, Kristen, you've heard my spiel a lot, but um, it's super important because it affects everything else you do from how you message, meaning what kind of language that you use, what kind of value you're going to give away, how you're going to position your services or products. If you don't know who you're targeting, you, you can't do any of that effectively and you end up redoing it a lot. And I've worked with a lot of people who've given me a lot of resistance on who their ideal client is only to have to redo their entire website, redo, a, you know, total an email list or a follow-up series with their email list because they weren't talking to the right people. So I think that's probably the biggest obstacle that I see people once they've decided, I think that initial decision of I'm going to go into business and do something. Um, a lot of times people don't even know what it is. And I have found that if you don't know what you want to do, especially since in today's world, we have so many different things we're interested in. Like if you ask me, there's, we could have conversations about all kinds of things. Um, and so, but identifying who I want to work with, or for some people too, you don't want to work with, um, helps you decide which one of those interests and experience and skills you actually can, can put into use. Um, so even, even before sometimes you've developed a total business strategy, that ideal client piece can help those other pieces fall into place. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. It's very good advice. <laughs> People pay a lot of money to hear that, guys. So you're all very lucky. Now, what would you say is the most fulfilling part of your work? Um, hmm. I think it's probably a toss up between the actually seeing successes. Like when you see the light bulb go off for a client who's been struggling or, you know, they get their, their first couple paying customers or paying clients, um, and really kind of being a part of that process with them. Um, it's almost like, uh, I was explaining it to my little sister who has kids and 
I was just explaining to her the feeling and she goes, yeah, it's kind of like when you watch your kids take their first steps. And so I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to that. I don't have kids. So I was mildly excited when my nieces started walking and then I started trying to get everything breakable off the floor. Um, so, <laughs> um, but it's it being a part of that growth process is really exciting. Um, and then I, you know, I really, I get to meet people that I don't think I would get to meet any other way. I get to, you know, to rub elbows with people that, and it's not that they're influencers or they're huge in the space or anything like that. It's just people that have amazing stories and backgrounds and uh, can really bring a lot of uh, learning experiences into my own world that I don't think I would have been able to experience without doing what I do. Now, on the flip side, what's the most challenging part of your work as a coach and strategist? When people don't listen. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, when you're in marketing, you're responsible for results and uh, clients a lot of times want you to be responsible for results, even when they didn't implement what you told them to. Um, so I've had several clients that have gone through launches and, um, you know, one of the, one of the big strategies with launches is that you need to warm up your, your list or your group, whoever it is you're promoting, promoting your new product or service to, um, that you, I tell people that's like asking somebody to sleep with you before you ask them on a first date. Doesn't usually work that way. Um, you might have some success, but it's going to be very limited. Um, but a lot of online business owners are very, they either get desperate and so they're like, go right for the sale. Um, or they just figure that that's the way it's done. Um, and, and, and they will tank a launch by doing that. And so, and then they get mad at you because their launch didn't go well. So those kinds of things are a little bit that that's, that's definitely frustrating. I've gotten to where I ask people now, um, there's a, there's an old, um, I think it's Teddy Roosevelt quote that talks about hiring the best people and then getting out of their way. Um, and so I actually, I, it might not be Teddy Roosevelt. I always get them confused, but anyways, but I ask people about that. Like, are you bringing me on so that I'll just implement your ideas or are you actually bringing me on as the expert to tell you how to have the most success with your business? And, uh, and that's the way I kind of get around that obstacle now, because uh, it's a very frustrating thing when people don't listen. <laughs> yeah, I, I always say when you just try to, I mean, I, I've had this happen to me where you join some women's business group and all of a sudden you've got four Facebook request messages from people that are saying, hey, 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 you want my thing? And you say, wow, if I feel like you just ran through my living room naked. Yes. It's awkward. <laughs> Let's uh, chat a little bit first. So I think that that is a big mistake a lot of people make. And it's hard to fight them off. You feel, you know, violated in your own Facebook, which is awkward. <laughs> now, I know you have something exciting going on right now that is for new biz owners. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So um, last year we launched Significant Business Academy and we did it as a group coaching uh, kind of experience. And we had, uh, we had 26 people in it. Um, and it was basically how to get started in your business from start to finish and kind of dumped all of everything that I've experienced and been able to help clients with into one program. Um, and we did weekly calls and training and question and answers and all kinds of stuff. Um, and we covered everything from, you know, how do you decide who your ideal client is and how much value you bring and how to price things to, how do you market and run Facebook ads and do an email list and all that stuff? We dealt with everything from how to name stuff to how to do a Kickstarter campaign. Um, literally just about any question you can ask in business. Um, and what we decided was um, a lot of my clients are already fairly established small businesses. 
Um, but I love the startup energy and uh, the entrepreneur that is kind of just getting their feet wet. Um, and so what we decided is we put all of that training into um, a membership site uh, that will get updated monthly with all of the templates I talked about, like planning out your content and identifying your ideal client. We'll have workbooks and stuff like that for all of that. Um, and so we put it all in one membership site that will be updated every month with uh, question and answers sessions with me and guest experts. Um, and we're making it available at a cost that anybody can afford. So it'll be under $40, um, $40 a month. And then um, and you get access to a Facebook community that's pretty engaged and wants everybody to succeed. So that way I get to interact with all these people that are in the process of getting started, but aren't quite ready to hire uh, a marketing consultant full-time. Um, and I get, to, I get to be part of their success in that way. That's awesome. I know from being a part of your significant... Oh God. What is how significant <laughs> business builders? Okay. Yes. I know from being a part of significant business builders that you know a lot of people. And so obviously it's great to have access to your wonderful brain and a wonderful brain that it is. But then all the folks that you bring in as experts who know, you know about this or that, uh, about LinkedIn and LinkedIn groups and um, you know, visibility and video. That really adds a lot. So I think that must be a, that'll be a nice addition to your membership site. Yeah, we're excited. We we went out and asked a lot of people what they felt like is kind of missing. One of the things that I do differently, um, according to clients, is I, I really give the, you know, step one, do this. When you're done with that, step two, do this. Um, and a lot of times I feel like people join coaching programs or they work with a coach and the coach either assumes where they are or doesn't make sure that they actually know what the next step in the process is, you know, what do I do after I sign up for an email list? Um, you know, those kinds of things. So, um, we try to make that really simple. And then, um, through that process and working with customers really ask them, you know, what else are you struggling with? You know, do you need help with confidence on video? So we have, um, Jessica Brace that's uh, she used to work with Tony Robbins team on how to get on video and be confident about it. And so she's actually done a bonus for us where she's going to train people that are in the membership site, how to get over your fear of being on video, which is very real and video is so effective in marketing. So that's going to be one. We have um, somebody else that's super dynamic copywriter that wrote copy for um, Yahoo news and some other sites that you you've heard of. Um, and um, Asana and a few others that are, are big tools in the online space. Um, she's going to come on, come in and teach copywriting and sales pages. So really excited about some of the people that, uh, that are going to be coming on and what they bring to the table and, and how they can help. And if you want to go further, like, obviously that's why you bring in people is say, Hey, if you actually want some one-on-one -on -one help, this person's available to you as well. If you need to go farther than what they, what they actually taught. That's awesome. I believe there's some statistic that the number of people who finish programs, membership sites, classes, whatever that they buy is super low. What is it? Something like, is it 3% or am I making that up? No, I think it's between 3 and 4%. Which is just astonishing. So I think that your point is really valid that so many people come into these trainings. There's no gauge of where they're starting from or even where they want to finish. And there's also not a lot of guidance. So then they just kind of swim around and then, you know, eventually <laughs> exit. So I think it's really smart to give them step one and two and three and four. and Very, very useful, which is why, you know, Significant Business Academy went so well, which I was part of and really enjoyed. Yeah, we actually had we had a little over 60 percent of the people that were in Significant Business Academy that did all of the modules. 
Um, so that's, that's pretty awesome. significant considering the industry average is less, less than 4%. So yeah, really shocking. So kudos to you on that. Now, <laughs> if someone wanted to do what, what you're currently doing, which is leaving a job, starting their own business, being and start again. <laughs> if someone wanted to do what you're doing, leave a job, start their own business and be successful at it. What advice would you give them? Um, I think the first thing, especially, especially for most women, is there's a security measure there. So um, if you don't have savings, I tell people to actually look at what you need monthly and begin to put that aside. Um, I think that there's different types of personalities. For me, not having a huge buffer was a motivator to get my butt in gear and start making money. Um, but if you're unsure and you're not sure that that's going to work for you or that's going to be a massive stress for you, I don't have kids, you know, so if I needed to go wait tables, I could do that. I don't have anybody that is dependent on me. Um, so if you're in a situation where, you know, you have people dependent on you and, and you need to make sure that bills are paid and that you have a place to live and that kind of thing, um, definitely begin with that saving money and set a goal for yourself. You know, when I have $10,000 saved, it depends on where in the country you live, because if you live in Florida, $10,000 could get you through three months. If you live in New York, probably not. Um, <laughs> true, true. Um, but definitely having that little bit of buffer there, <clears throat> excuse me, having that little bit of buffer there. Um, and then also um, thinking about how much you're willing to invest in your business. I, I don't, I don't like to make the idea to go into business for yourself all about money, um, but you will be more successful if you know that you're going to have to put some money on a credit card, or you're going to have to take out a loan, or you're going to have to put some of that savings that you already have into your business. Um, I, I tell people you can start a pretty successful business for less than $2,000. I think with all of the equipment that you would need and, um, all of the tools that you'll need that that that's fairly easy and you can do to get the visible with that, you know, maybe advertising and that kind of thing. Um, but it's not something that, you know, you can typically get by with without investing something, depending on what kind of business it is. Um, if it's service based and it's all about you, a lot of times I've been able to help people get started for less than a thousand dollars, but it's going to cost something. So know that ahead of time and do some research. Um, the next thing that I do, um, it works really well is talking about an exit strategy. If you have a boss or a company uh, that allows a little bit of remote work, if you can work sometime from home so you can begin to build your business on the side as a side hustle instead of walking away and, and trying to do it on your own, I suggest that a lot of companies are very open to, to the remote work. So you might want to start the conversation there where you can work from home one day a week or two days a week. Um, and then you can you know work on your business some while you're still doing your job. Um, I, I start at that point and not <laughs> tell them that you're trying to build your own business because that typically doesn't go over quite so well. Um, and then from there, I think, you know, beginning to work through the steps of what kind of business you want. So, you know, what are, I tell people to do a brain dump of all of your experience, all of your values. I go through this in um, significant business Academy too. Uh, but people typically, and again, especially women, we disregard a lot of the experiences that we've had, whether it's education or bad relationships or, you know, travel around the country. You know, when I was little, we did mission trips and I, we went all over the world and I didn't count that as something I was bringing to the table. But when you're dealing with psychology and marketing, it's a big deal that, you know, how people in Australia think differently than people in Canada or in Ireland, those are all significant things. So, um, I, I tell people to start off with that, that brain dump. If you think that you don't have anything valuable, I promise you do. Um, even if you're the person everybody goes to for dating advice or parenting advice, there's, there's niches out there that 
are super valuable. So doing that kind of brain dump, put everything down, every trip you've taken, every class you've taken, every book you've read. Oh my goodness. That take up like 12 pages by itself. Um, you know, all that stuff. So, um, and then from there, begin to identify your ideal client and, and decide what meshes. This is who I want to work with. And this is my experience. And so this is what I can kind of put together um, and kind of go from there. That Those are kind of the, the steps, I guess, the, the budgeting and savings, the commitment to investing in your business and uh, giving yourself a timeline and, and deadline for, okay, at this point, I'm actually going to step out, whether that's how much money you have saved or an actual date. Um, and then begin to to figure out your value and who your idol client is. I will say that uh, a Christy Brown prescribed brain dump is what led me to start this podcast. So I think it's, a, it's an excellent exercise because it's really not it's not something anyone had ever suggested I do before. It was well worth the time. It surprises you what you end up seeing down on paper. And it was just me continuing to meditate and ruminate on that brain dump that led me to say, gosh, I think something like this crazy notable woman idea is what I should try <laughs> doing. So I'm super thankful for that. I think if anybody is in sort of a similar place, you should definitely take that advice. All Chrissy's advice is pretty good, but I really like that one. So I'm going to highlight that. Now, what would you say is the biggest assumption that people make about you? Um, probably the one that I've been getting a lot lately, it, there's actually two. One is that I'm not relatable, um, which is an interesting one. Um, and I'm not really sure where that one comes from. Um, and the other one is that I'm super aggressive, uh, which I kind of understand where that one comes from. Um, but I'm very, I'm very extroverted and very loud. And, and, um, I've you know been on stage at Disney and MGM and places like that teaching. And so, I think those kinds of things tend to take make people assume that you're not that you can't relate to where they are, um, which is totally not true. Um, but and then uh, and then the aggressive one I think is just because if you're shy and if you're like afraid of the camera, you don't really want to talk to people. I think anybody who is not like that I think comes across as aggressive. Uh, I don't believe in uh, aggression in any way. Um, even even my politics is anti-aggression, so. Um, but I think those are, those are the two that I've been, have been thrown at me recently, which is weird. I would <laughs> say those are very strange because you're so relatable. <laughs> it's one of the things that I think is great about you is that you, you've, uh, been in the trenches and you've done all sorts of stuff and lived this interesting life full of triumph, but also some trial. And so it's easy. I find it very easy to relate to you, even though you're also, you know, super awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I think it's interesting uh, talking about aggression. I was reading, uh, so I just did the Clifton Strengths Finder. I don't know if you, mm -hmm. uh, it's my first time doing it. Uh, and I was, I forget which one it was. Mm -hmm. I think it was, oh no, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look it up. There was a, um, there, one of the, one of my characteristics, it said something about, your 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 sort of enthusiasm might be seen as pushiness and i said oh people think i'm oh okay it's uh uh my second so my number one was communication and my number two was activator and so it said when it was talking about being an activator that people might see you as pushy because you're always trying to get things going which is totally me and people say i'm pushy all the time 
And uh, I, I always think that that's funny because I'm generally really, oh, what do you want to do? Okay. You know, very easygoing. <laughs> so to be called pushy, it always makes me surprised. But I, perhaps it's something similar to you is that you're really, uh, uh, I don't know, what did you do Strings Finder? Yeah, it's interesting. We're going through a, a mentorship program and that's one of the ones that they, they have us do. And Activator is my number three. Um, so yeah, so same, same see, idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I bet, I bet that's probably it. Cause you're always trying to get things going. And so people think that that's pushy, but it's not, but it is to them. So obviously that right. matters, but, um, yeah, the, the interesting thing with the strength fighter, I haven't done it yet, but they said to do, to do all 34 so that you know what your bottom five are. Um, because it's important to know why you struggle with certain things, not to make them So Dan Sullivan, the the mentor that we're going through, he says, you don't work on your weaknesses, then you just have really strong weaknesses um, that you, but being aware of them is, is super important. And so one of my weaknesses, which was surprising to me um, is discipline. I am only disciplined in the areas that I care about. If we don't care about it, I'm, I could care less. (laughs) So like doing the dishes, don't have a lot of discipline there. Um, so I thought that 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 was a really interesting, uh, and just, uh, you mentioned strength fighters. I just thought that was an interesting thing to think about is that if you know your weaknesses and you know, you need to hire somebody or marry somebody that can do those because you're not going to do them. (laughs) I think that is an excellent point. That is why I hired someone who likes to cook. I hired, that's why I married someone who likes to cook. (laughs) Sorry, Mike, when you listen to this, I didn't, I didn't mean I hired you. Um, so very interesting. Now, what would you want someone to take away from this podcast? You know, I think that most of the people that are into self-development enough that are going to listen to any podcast, but let alone one that, that's notable women, um, you are somebody who is going to be able to start your own business if that's what you want to do. Um, and I really believe, I know I said it earlier on, people start businesses because they want a bigger, better life. Um, and I think most of the people that are are going to listen to a podcaster uh, are fit into that category. And so I don't I don't believe that entrepreneurship is something anyone can do. But I think somebody that has the personality type and the drive that's going to to listen to podcasts that are highlighting notable women are going to be people that can can make things happen and that are movers and shakers, whether they figured that out yet or not. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I would I would want them to take away. Awesome. That makes me have little heart eyes. Little heart eyes. <laughs> now, do you, I, I am sure you probably have about, about 12 books, I imagine, because I know that's how many you have in your giveaway, right? Am I right? Yes. <laughs> so Christy's doing a book giveaway right now. Uh, it'll probably be over by the time this airs, but it's awesome. And I am so, so excited because obviously I love books, but do you have a book or several that you would love to recommend to the notable woman audience? Sure. So I have two. Um, one's really old and one's kind of new. Um, so the really old one is one I think anybody, um, just about anybody on earth should read. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics. It's by Maxwell Maltz. Um, I believe it was written in the 40s. Um, and it's all about the power of your brain. Uh, and it was written before most of the books that we know now that talk about the power of the brain a long time before Gabrielle Bernstein or Danielle Laporta was alive. Um, and uh, he's actually the guy that coined the phrase self-esteem. And uh, he was a, a plastic surgeon and he realized that he would operate on people that had legitimate things wrong with them, like a cleft palate or something like that. And uh, he would fix them and they'd be completely normal. 
but they would still act like something was wrong with them. And so people still treated them like something was wrong with them. And uh, so he began to study the psychology of why our brains behave that way and how we put out the signals for how people treat us. The Dr. Phil has a saying where he says, you teach people how to treat you. So this uh, Maxwell Mox actually proved that. Um, he did things like hypnotize people and then poke them with a pen and told them it was a hot poker. He would wake them up from the hypnotization and their skin would blister because their brain believed they had been poked with a hot poker. Um, so anyway, at the end of each chapter, he goes over um, very specific activities. So things like Jack Nicholson talked about playing golf in the theater of the mind. The theater of the mind something that came directly from Maxwell Maltz. So um, as women, a lot of times we let emotions control how we respond to things. Um, and Maxwell Malt at 19, when I read it, I was working on a political campaign and I was in sales and I was in an a unhappy marriage. And uh, I realized I was responsible for the, the fact that I was unhappy, nobody else, um, and how to, how to kind of change that. So I read it once a year. I think everybody should read it. It's amazing. Um, the other one, I'll, I'll sum up a little quicker. Um, it is called Give and Take. Um, and it is by um, Adam Grant. and um, he also he also wrote another one that's actually part of the giveaway called uh, the originals. Um, but Give and Take talks about how givers always succeed. They they always end up ahead of takers. Um, and he does a lot of different where people are actually fake givers, and he does all these stories. The whole book is about stories of people who were who are givers and takers, and um, it's amazing principles, especially if you're in the business mind. I get a lot of questions from people about feeling like they're giving away too much value. Um, and he really sums up my philosophy, which is there's, that's not possible. Um, and, um, and he really, and he tells you why. And they run a lot of studies where um, people that have helped, like medical students that help each other in um, med school, that the givers are at the bottom of the class, but they're also at the top of the class. And so it's all about setting your own boundaries and helping yourself and, and building those relationships, which is why I love it. Um, but it's it's really good. It totally shifted my thinking in the online business world where so many people are trying to take from you all the time and, and only want you to buy um, and kind of shifted that really affirmed for me that that's not the best way to do business in a sustainable way. Awesome. They both sound delightful. Uh, Psycho Cybernetics <laughs> sounds like the story of the musical Violet. Did you happen to see that? No, I haven't. I'll have to look that up. It's uh, Sutton Foster was in it on Broadway. I happened to see it and it was one amazing. The music is phenomenal. Very, you know, bluegrass, southern jazz kind of thing, which I love. And the whole story is, is that she uh, has some sort of physical disfigurement on her face. You don't know what it is uh, in the costuming of it. She has nothing. There is nothing on her face whatsoever. And that she just acts like there is. And so she goes to see met an amazing preacher who's supposed to help with miracles and so afterwards she thinks he does something that saves her and so she acts differently and then someone later on tells her oh nothing happened to your face it's the same and she's devastated but really it's that she thought it was so horrible which is why people treated her like it was horrible and once she acted like it wasn't there no one else saw it either and so I thought it was well, and I, of course, cried like a little baby, but it's a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful musical. And I think that that's a really great, great point. And I'm definitely going to check out both of these books, as well as everything in the giveaway. If I do not win, I will still library <laughs> it up at my favorite New York Public Library. 
And a last uh, question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Real quick on um, Psycho Cybernetics. If you order that on Amazon, be sure you get the original. His kids have redone it. And there's like Psycho Cybernetics 2000 or something. It's not the same book. So be sure it'll be old and the only copies you'll find will be used. But be sure you get the original. Excellent advice. Thank you, ma'am. Now, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect? Sure. So um, my website is significantlysuccessful.com and Google will correct you if you spell it wrong. Um, I know I love the word, but nobody can spell it. So significantlysuccessful.com. Um, and on there, there are uh, there's my, my email address is on there and a lot of different ways you can connect with me. Um, we also have a Facebook group, which you mentioned, um, which you should be able to find on Facebook if you search for significant business builders. There is also a link to the Facebook group on the homepage of the website. Those are probably the two best ways to to connect with me and stay in touch. Excellent. Well, thank you, ma'am, so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Thanks, Kristen. It was a lot of fun.